0: What is the State of the Union? How did this annual presidential speech come to be, and what does it say about a president's administration? We'll answer all of these questions and more on this edition of Getting Schooled. I'm Abby Hornacek. Tuesday, March 1st, 2022, all eyes will be on the podium as President Biden gives his annual State of the Union Address in front of a joint session of Congress. It's a presidential tradition that's been around for centuries, giving sitting presidents the opportunity to address Congress and the nation to provide a current overview of the state of our nation and a preview of what's to come. So what should we expect from this upcoming address and how has the State of the Union Address evolved over time and why? Should Americans watch? Well, here to give answers to all of those questions and more is former White House director of speech writing for President George W. Bush and AEI resident fellow Mark Thiessen. Mark, pleasure being with you. Thanks for coming on.
1: Well, thank you for having me on.
0: Yeah, well, we immediately thought of you for this podcast because you were a speechwriter for George W. Bush, and he had a lot of notable speeches In huge part thanks to you. So let's start with that. What was your experience writing for President Bush?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I w- had the great privilege of being the lead writer on two State of the Union addresses, his last two, uh, and it's, uh, it's the most uh, – it's both the most watched and the most difficult uh, speech uh, to write because a State of the Union address is by its nature, it's a panoply of policies. Um, which is not normally very interesting. And yet millions and millions and millions of people tune in to watch it. So you have to find some theme or something that you can uh, some way to make it, uh, you know, more than just a laundry list. Uh, So it's a really challenging speech to write. uh, And it takes months of preparation and uh, work with the president and practice in the in the in the family theater. It's 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 quite a production.
0: Yeah, you're right. This is so important because. A ton of people watch it. Uh, The State of the Union address, it generally includes reports on the nation's budget, economy, news, agenda, achievements, that sort of thing. So I I don't want to get too political here, but what advice would you give a president like Joe Biden when you're coming to a time where you don't have the best approval ratings?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a difficult challenge he faces because the normal uh, the normal cadence of a State of the Union address is the president first. Ta- first, he comes out and talks about the great progress we've made in our country since I became your president, <laughs> or in the last year, or whatever it is, like that. And as we, you know, we did this on the economy, we did this on foreign policy, we did this on uh, on uh, public health, and all the re- all the rest of it. And the problem Biden faces is is that he really doesn't have any achievements
0: that
1: he he can cite in that way. I mean, not in my view, in the view of the American people, his approval rating is underwater on every metric, on the economy, on COVID, on foreign policy, his job as commander in chief. Uh, So Americans don't think that he's doing a great job. So if you come in and do the normal, here's what here's what we've accomplished. Uh, One of the rules of presidential speech writing I learned is that when when the president when the president is saying something that is in conflict with the lived reality of the American people or what they're seeing on the television screens every day, if there's a war going on, then they tune you out and they don't listen to you and they don't take you seriously. Mm. So he's got a real problem because Americans think that things are going very badly at home and they and now we're going to have. They had the the, the the visions of the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan on their screens. Now they've got the vision of Vladimir Putin literally as as he's gonna be speaking. Vladimir Putin's is sending, you know, hundreds of thousands of Russian troops into Ukraine to occupy and overthrow a democratic country. It's really hard to turn that into a (laughs) possibility.
0: Yeah, no, he definitely has a huge challenge ahead of him. First, he's we're we're looking at it right now. Today is Thursday. This comes out um, on on a Sunday. So he President Biden is obviously about to speak to that as well. Um, And, you know, we'll Mm -hmm. see if there's anything that he says in his actual State of the Union on March 1st. Um, President Biden aside, just in general, what's the main goal of the State of the Union address?
1: Well, it's a huge opportunity because it's it's the Super Bowl of of presidential speeches. It's the most Love watched <laughs> speech a, a president. It's, a, it's most watched a pre- speech a president gives once a year. Uh, you know, the, every every president struggles with the media filter, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even before Donald Trump and the and and his problems with the fake news media, uh, as he called it. You know, the the presidents. You ha- it's very rare that you get the undivided attention of tens of millions of Americans while you speak directly without any media filter at all. So it's a huge opportunity for a president to reset his administration, reset his agenda, reset his public approval. Um, But it has to be done in a way that americans nod their heads and say yes as opposed to they look at them and shake their heads and say what right. on earth is he doing
0: so how do you do that how do you get that message across to the american people where you kind of touched on it in the beginning where it's not just this laundry list
1: uh, i mean you have to have a theme of some kind so you know you try to ra- you try to wrap every your your policy uh, policies into a consistent theme uh in and, and one of the President, the State of the Union addresses that I did for President Bush, it was we're empowering Americans to make choices with their lives and then use Mm. that to uh, to uh, to wrap around all the all the different policies. Um, But, you know, in 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 the case of President Biden, it's a little bit different because he's got he's got the 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 challenge of low public, uh, uh, low, low public approval. And then on top of that, you know, a year ago, he gave this inaugural address where he said, I'm going to put my whole soul into uniting the country. And most Americans think that he hasn't really delivered on that, that he's done the opposite, that he, you know, he got this, he got, uh, thanks to two, uh, you know, to, uh, two Senate seats in Georgia, he got this 50 50 Senate and a narrow majority in the House. And he tried to, Go it alone and ram through a lot of a lot of spending and a lot of policies that Americans don't support with Democratic votes alone. And he's not except for the except for the uh, infrastructure bill. He has really no bipartisan achievements uh, to uh, to point to um, that he can cite. Uh, in in his speech on on the first. And so the problem for Americans is they didn't vote for a transformational president. They voted for someone who was going to unite the country and Mm -hmm. bring us together. Mm -hmm. And so he needs to find a way to reset And go back to that original to that original theme in some way about how about how he's going to unite the country. What is he going to do in the in the in, you know, with with war raging without outside and economic turmoil within how we need to unite the country uh, and bring Americans together, despite whatever parties they are uh, around some common agenda. And he needs to do that on on the first because come November it's very likely that Republicans will take back at least one House of of Congress, if not both. And that means the go it alone stuff is over. He's not going to be able to pass a reconciliation bill with Democratic votes alone. So he's going to have to go bipartisan in his last two years in office. So he might as well announce it and do it now when it looks like he's doing it by choice as opposed to, doing it by force because the American people took away his majorities.
0: Yeah. yeah, I want to touch back on something that you said uh, when you were saying that you guys kind of uh, you prepare for months before this speech. But how how do you do that? Because, you know, President, I don't want to keep bringing it back to President Biden, but that's just, you know, who who's in office right now. If he ran on the platform of unity and then you fast forward, you can't prepare for it too early because then you kind of miss the more recent events. So just sure. in general, how do you do that?
1: Well, obviously they're reworking it right now because, there's, right, you know, right. the events in the world are happening. I mean, there's there's as we're recording this, there are I'm looking at I'm watching Fox on my on my TV screen and I'm seeing bombs exploding. In Kiev. Yeah. You know, so I mean that that obviously you have to you have to be able to respond to events. But I mean, generally the way a State of the Union address is written, uh, you know, probably around around Thanksgiving, uh, you have your first meetings with the president to talk about the themes of the address, what he wants to say, what he wants to what he wants to achieve. By Christmas, you probably put together an outline of the speech um, that, uh, that he can take home over the holidays to look at. And then early January, we, we, were, we were starting to develop drafts. Um, and then and then he, you know, you go into the Oval Office and you have editing sessions with him. You bring in uh, you know, the national security advisor to talk about national security stuff, domestic policy advisors to talk about domestic policy, uh, subject matter experts and all the rest of it. It goes through what's called the White House staffing process where everybody uh gets to send in comments to the speech writers and then you go over those with the president. And then as it gets more and more developed. Uh, pre- at least in President Bush's case, what we would do is we'd set up a podium with a teleprompter and uh, well, we'd set up a podium in the family theater in the in the in the residence. And he would start reading it aloud as if he was delivering it and mm. he would edit as he re- as he as he read. And then as though as he got more and more comfortable, those became less of an editing session, and more of a practice session. And then we would right. put it up on the teleprompter and he'd read it from the teleprompter. And by the time he was ready to deliver it, he almost had internalized it to the point that he could deliver it almost without yeah. the text. President Bush um, was a um, so great it's a, speaker. It's a very long process, Oh, well, similar to an address to the nation, you know, on, on war or something like that. There are certain speeches where it really takes a lot of time and preparation. And there are other speeches where you have to write it that morning and get you know, the print like we are today. I'm sure the president's speechwriters are furiously working on what he's about to say. Uh, you know, he, Again, was this Thursday? He's about to speak on Ukraine. They've got to they've got to turn that around really quickly and there's not a lot of time to practice.
0: Definitely. How how much uh, involvement does a president have in writing his State of the Union address? Does, do you guys kind of speech writers just kind of draft it out and then he reads it and, like you said, makes changes oh, or no. are they sitting in the room <laughs> with you?
1: Well, I, I I can only speak to the president I worked for because I'm not sure how involved president uh, how detail-oriented the current commander-in-chief is uh versus president bush i know president bush was intensely involved uh in that's good (laughs) i'm Uh, glad you you said that you'd hope it's it's a president i mean you know we would sit down and and he would he would tell us what he wanted to say and what themes he wanted to hit um and then we would go and sort of execute that and try and and try and put some uh you know put, put some nice rhetoric around what he wanted to say and he would I mean, literally dozens of drafts where he would personally hand edit it and give you comments back and all the rest of it. President Bush was very, very in charge of of what he wanted to say. I remember working on a speech for him once that was a it was a national security speech. It was not the State of the Union address. And he uh, and he um, he it was based on a bunch of classified information, which meant I couldn't circulate it to the staffing process Mm. until right before delivery. So I'd work with the intelligence. He gave me the direction on what he wanted to talk about. I went to the to the intelligence directorate. They gave me access to a bunch of classified information. I drafted the speech and then we put it through a declassification process before it went through the White House staffing process. And so we, we, we met in the Oval Office the day before the speech and. 20 people showed up to the meeting which is not normal uh and they were all tearing the speech apart And he was supposed to deliver it the next day oh. and they were saying this is wrong and oh. the themes are wrong and we can't say this and you can't say that and finally, finally president bush did like a whistle and he said okay stop this is a disaster <laughs> uh you know get T- T- said you go back to your office everybody send teesan his comments their comments we're going to reconvene at two o'clock and go over it again he so was I'd like go teesan's b- got b- this <laughs> and so i went to back to my office thinking Oh my gosh, I'm gonna get fired. This is a disaster. <laughs> and I go up to my office and the and the caller id the phone rings and the caller ID says POTUS. <laughs> and, I, and so I pick up the phone and it's his it's his, ass, it's his assistant said the president wants to see the speech writers in the Oval Office right away. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna get chewed out. <laughs> and so I walk down into the Oval Office and he says, Hey lads, ready for the real speech meeting?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and he,
1: he, we had, I had executed exactly what he wanted. He, he, it was the themes he wanted, the information he wanted, and he was like, "This is exactly right." Ignore all the comments you're getting. Let them. So he let them all sit around churning, thinking they were editing the speech when he was really
0: editing. That is awesome. That's what
1: George W. Bush was like.
0: I love that. It's so great to hear personal stories like that, because it really puts into context what a president was like, because we we only get to see them like like me. You know, I only get to see them when they do give these speeches. And it's it's cool hearing it from you. All right. We've got to step aside for a quick recess, but we'll be back right after this. Uh, So back to State of the Union, how did that get its name, State of the Union?
1: You know, it's it's an interesting question. It was originally called the message to Congress when George Washington, when George Washington uh, was the first one to deliver it. It's actually only speech uh, whose origin is in the Constitution. Uh, Article two, section three, clause one. Uh, states that the president shall from time to time give Congress information of of the state of the union and recommend to their consideration such measures as he shall judge necessary and expedient. Oh, wow. Um, So that's where the name comes from. It's from it comes directly from the Constitution. Uh, What President Washington and President Adams were uh, they actually were the delivered their address in person to Congress and then Thomas Jefferson decided to send a written message to Congress. Um, And every president followed that until Woodrow Wilson was the first president to appear uh, personally before Congress in 1913. And then President Franklin Roosevelt was the first one to deliver it uh, in the televised era uh, as as a film speech. And so that really started what we know as the State of the Union address today really began with FDR. As a as a as a public message to the American people that was watched by millions of Americans.
0: That's interesting, because nowadays you think about there are so many ways to watch. it. You can watch it on social media, probably if people are taping it on their phones. You know, there's we obviously as the media, big, big media, we watch it on TV. So the fact that it was originally the message to Congress, would you say, obviously, that that has evolved now into a message to the people like who is the State of the Union addressed to?
1: Yeah. So in, if you look back at Washington's uh, original speeches that were very deferential to Congress, uh, he was asking them to do things and, and submitting his policies for their for their consideration. It was very different uh, today. It really has. It's not it doesn't have the same uh policy you know uh, policy impact that that, that it did before it really is in many ways a, a a public messaging uh address though i'll tell you what what it also has the job of doing is it it uh, it it decides policy because everybody mm. and their brother, this is the hardest part about writing the State of the Union address, is that everybody wants to get their policy mentioned in the State of the Union because then it becomes policy, right? So if you're you're pushing for something, some public health decision, and the president mentions it in the State of the Union, guess what? Now that's part of the president's agenda. Oh. So you're getting lobbied by every institution in government to try and got to get this in the State of the How Union. How do you manage that? Um, you, well, you, with the, you manage it with the help of the chief of staff, uh, and you manage it with the help of the president. The president decides what he wants to include and what he doesn't. Uh, so, you know, we, we, there's certain things that are obviously not going to get put in the state of the union address. And there's some that are up for discussion. And so when we're meeting with the president, we would say, so-and-so wants to mention this and he'd say yes, or he'd say no. And that's how it gets decided. But, you know, speech writing is really in many ways, one of the most consequential, positions in in government because you speeches are policy when the president says it's my policy to do x then all of a sudden the whole government has to salute and in theory the government's supposed to salute and, and execute um, and so everybody and so you're really you know there might be a policy debate over what we should do about ukraine or what we should do about climate or what we should do about whatever policy and that can get adjudicated in these editing of the state of the union address um when the president finally makes a decision and announces it Uh, So you not only have people lobbying for their policies, but you have competing people lobbying to get their competing versions of policy in uh, because that's a way to get it decided. And when the president decides what to say, then he's made a decision.
0: Has there ever been a State of the Union address where there was just this huge bombshell where people are like, oh, my gosh, did he, he did he just say that? Like, has there ever been that sort of moment or is everything pretty predictable?
1: It, it, I mean, you, you kind of know what the president's policies are. It's, it, there's, it, there's, there's uh, you know, I mean, obviously, I'm trying to think. I, I can't remember in my, in my administration a time where there was like a bombshell like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, there's certainly anticipated decisions that the president has made uh, that, uh, that get, that get announced in the state of the union address. Sure.
0: Okay. I was going to say in my lifetime, I don't really remember any huge moment like that, but you know, you never know anything could happen. Uh, so how long is the state of the union address usually? Does it depend on the president or is there kind of like a time limit?
1: There's no time limit. It depends on the president, but there's also, you know, the, uh, the, uh, my my old boss, Senator Helms, used to say the mind can absorb no more than the seat can endure. <laughs> <You>
0: <laughs> that's know, a good one that,
1: uh, that uh, you know, you don't want to go on too long. I mean, most State of the Union addresses stay under an hour um, and you're working in time for applause. Uh, and and uh, and that's another thing about the State of the Union address. It's also in writing it. You're trying to you're fi- trying to find ways to uh, to force the other side to applaud you. Uh, so to get bipartisan applause, and sometimes you do a rope-a-dope where you get them to applaud something and then you lay down the hammer and all of a sudden they go, oh, I wasn't trying, trying to do
0: that. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> so there's a lot of rhetorical, there's a lot of rhetorical, uh, feints, uh, that you might do in a State of the Union address, uh, in that sense. But my, One of my uh, favorite, um, moments in the State of the Union address. So actually what they do with the State of the Union is they print it in a booklet. Um, and there's a and there's a there's one that's printed the day of the State of the Union address. If you watch the crowd in the State of the Union address, they're all reading the State of the Union as he speaks because they all have copies of it. Mm-hmm. And when Speaker Nancy Pelosi, when Nancy Pelosi first her first time, when she became speaker, uh, we included uh, a, an opening, say, where President Bush said, and I'm proud to be the first president of the United States to begin his State of the Union address with the words, Madam Speaker. And we kept it out of the written text that was handed out so that she would not know it was coming so that she would be genuinely surprised. Oh, at, that's that was I, President Bush's idea. That's cool. Um, I love that. So, you know, there's also there's all sorts of little moments like that.
0: Well, I was going to ask. So if it's already written down in people's pamphlets, there's no ad libbing, but you kind of just answer my question.
1: Yeah. And there was one time where Bill Clinton uh, was giving the State of the Union address and they loaded the wrong speech into the teleprompter. <gasps> And so You're he joking. had to go, I think he had to go for like 15 minutes of speaking without a text in front of him. And he actually, he was such a talented public speaker. He was able to pull it off. What uh, speech was sure in there?
0: I don't like, know. If, okay. I don't
1: remember what speech it was, but his speechwriter, uh, his speechwriter uh, told it, uh, I had a panel at AI once with a bunch of presidential speechwriters on their experiences. And he told the story that uh, <laughs> yeah, they loaded the wrong speech into the teleprompter. And he walked up there and Wrong speech was in front of him. That would be terrifying. <laughs> <laughs>
0: has has a president ever not given a state of the union?
1: I, well, they have to give a state of the it's required by the Constitution. Okay. So they have to. So, so, so right. some presidents have delivered a written message to Congress. Um, But uh, but uh, but there's nothing requiring the president to come in person to deliver it. Got Um, it. But every year the president has to deliver a message to Congress on the State of the Union and it can be a written message or it can be a, a spoken one.
0: All right. I see. I was going to say, because, you know, I mean, things change. But when it's in the Constitution, you can't really not too much wiggle room there. Uh, Mark, uh, this last question for you, I want to ask, because, you know, since a president is required to give this address every year, what do you think is the biggest advantage of delivering this to the American people?
1: It's just the unfiltered access to Americans there. It's your 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 there's no media filter you're standing up in front of tens of millions of Americans who have tuned in to listen to what you have to say. And that is an opportunity you get once a year. There's no, uh, barring like like a war or something where you're delivering an address to the nation from from the Oval Office, uh, it is the one time every year that you have direct access to the American people to appeal to them over the heads of Congress, over the heads of the media, over the heads of all 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 the social media and all the commentators and pundits and all the rest of it. Uh, so it's it's uh, it's a huge opportunity uh, for any president to uh, to rally the country behind his agenda.
0: Mark Thiessen, everyone. Mark, I appreciate your time and I'll let you go because a lot of craziness happening in the world right now. I know you've got a busy day. So thanks for coming on.
1: Thank you for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Alright, if you missed anything from class, these are my office hours, and here are some top takeaways about the State of the Union. Number one, the State of the Union address was originally called the Message to Congress. It's actually the only speech that's origin is in the Constitution, so it's required the president delivers the address. So, no slacking allowed by any president. Number two, the State of the Union offers a huge opportunity. Mark points out it's the most watched speech a president gives. He calls it the Super Bowl of speeches. It's rare that you get the opportunity to have unfiltered access to Americans. So it takes months of preparation from the president and his team. And number three. The challenging part, Mark says, is as a speechwriter, you have to turn something that's not normally interesting into something that the American people will be engaged in. You have to find a theme and some way to make it more than just a laundry list, since it's one of the rare times you get to hear from the president directly without any media filter. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast on the State of the Union. For more podcasts, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this one on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen and leave us a review. This has been Getting Schooled with Abby Hornacek on the Fox News Podcast Network. Class dismissed.